0: Hi everybody, uh, I'm Sunny, uh, also known as Dynamic Symmetry on AO3, fanfic.net, and Tumblr. And welcome to the first official edition of the Keep Singing podcast, which is a podcast focused primarily on Bethel, uh, but also on the wonderful, precious beam of sun that is Beth Green in general, uh, because it, she deserves her own podcast too. So this is the very first one. I'm going to be very informal about this. Uh, I, first of all, because this is just how I roll. Secondly, I had a really rough day yesterday and I'm kind of out of fucks to give right now. That's also something that I should note. Uh, these, I am not going to, as of right now, be reading any smut when I do stuff, but I'm going to curse up a storm, so please, if this is something that bothers you, I would not listen to this when there are small children present, unless you really do want to, like, corrupt their moles or whatever, which, you know, I'm down with. So anyway, let's get going. I'm going to do a number of things today. First, I'm going to read a couple of announcements. I think these are just things that probably a lot of people already know about, but I think they're also worth calling some attention to, just, you know, freshly in this context. Uh, I have a couple of thick wrecks to read. And I'm also going to, and I apologize in advance to anybody who doesn't care about this, but I'm going to be answering a bunch of questions that people have sent in about my ridiculous werewolf AU, Howl. uh, Which I'm enjoying writing, uh, although it is, like many AUs, not entirely always behaving. And the world building is complicated enough, and what's going on is complicated enough that people uh, have um, some questions... And I also just like bladdering about my own stuff, so I'm going to be rambling about them, and I'm going to be answering them to the degree that I can, and with some of them I think I'm just going to be obnoxiously hinty, because obviously some of them are going to involve some spoilers. Also, some of them I may not actually know all the answers to, because that's my dirty little secret. I I sometimes just have no idea what the hell I'm doing, and I only find out as I go. Anyway, I'm I'm already rambling. So we're off to a great start. Okay, so let's kick this off with uh, a couple of announcements that I want to make. First of all, uh, the Dirty Bethel Tumblr is currently looking for members. Uh, one of the people who runs it, Miss Effie, has been uh, dealing with some mental health problems, and she unfortunately can't give the blog the kind of attention that she would like to. So. Molly is looking for some assistance. If there is any way in which you'd like to help out, please get in touch with them. Again, that's the Dirty Bethel blog, which I recommend that you follow, because it's absolutely fantastic, just in general, for things. You know, things that I think you can probably draw your own conclusions about. Secondly, the Moonshine Awards, the first annual Moonshine Awards, are going to be opening for nominations from December 1st to the 15th. Voting will begin on January 4th, 2016, and the winners will be announced on the 1st of February. Uh, nominations are only open for stories that are marked as completed at the end of this month, November 30th. So get ready to send in your nominations. I have some stuff that perhaps you might want to nominate, if that's your thing. But in general, just you know, send in stuff that you've been enjoying over the year and let's get some awesome things officially recognized i think an awards thing for fic in this fandom is an absolutely fantastic idea uh so i'm really happy that ultimate bethel fic list is doing this so yeah check that out and get involved and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to do this podcast actually i mean i just i think somewhat ironically (laughs) given that um it appears for all intents and purposes that our ship has taken cannonballs and is sinking or has already sunk i think this is actually a fantastic time in the fandom i think almost we've responded by being like fuck you powers the bee, and we've just been producing even more stuff uh, and i think that defiance is a great motivator so that's one of the things that i've really been enjoying seeing is just this increase in creativity and output and everything so this is an exciting time to be in this fandom i think so uh, let me move on to some fic Uh And, oh, by the way, this is something else I'm going to try to continue to do, assuming I continue to do this thing. Keep sending things in to me. Uh, probably the best way to do that is via my Tumblr, which, again, is dynamicsymmetry.tumblr.com. Just send me fan mail, uh, send me an ask. It appears, and I was actually kind of like, holy shit about this yesterday, that Tumblr has actually uh, introduced a messaging system. I, I, this is... I'm a little stunned. This is something I never expected. Not entirely sure how to feel about that because it means that my burning resentment to Tumblr staff is sort of uh, a little bit... It's taken a hit. Like, I don't hate these people as much as I used to. I've tried up the messaging system. I think it actually works pretty well. So hit me up that way if you'd like to and just let me know if there's any fix I should be recommending. And I'm specifically interested in fics that are not getting the kind of attention that maybe you think they're worthy of. We all know that there are the big ones in this fandom, and the ones everybody reads and recommends and everybody follows, and those are great. But I feel like recommending those is a little bit, not pointless, but it's a little bit redundant at this point. So I really am looking for things that are underrecognized. I'm looking for gems that people are not paying sufficient attention to. I'm looking to promote authors who maybe are new to the fandom or who just aren't as well known as they should be. Uh, At one point, I was one of those. So I really like pushing other people's work when that work isn't getting the kind of attention that maybe it deserves. So send me your ex. Try to, to the degree that you can, spotlight people who you think really deserve some spotlighting who aren't getting. Just something that I I should mention and emphasize at this point, and I've already tried to emphasize this in the posting that I've been doing about this podcast. I'm gonna provide the content that I can, but a huge amount of my content is gonna be dependent on you guys. So if you want this to continue, if this is something that you enjoy and you think this is worth continuing and you know you you just want to keep this going, I'm really gonna depend on you to get involved and to contribute, you know, just even if it's just sending me things. I'm going to be, like I said, I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff on my own. I'm going to be doing fic readings. I'm going to be trying to do interviews. I'm going to be trying to do anything else that I can pull together by myself to the point where it's logistically feasible, but I really am depending on you guys. So please, please, you know, (laughs) help me out here. So let's go ahead and get to Rex. Let me pull them up here. Something that is real helpful to me if you're sending in Rex Mention where they can be found, because obviously we have fanfic.net and AO3, and not everybody cross posts. So uh, it, it, you know, it helps save people a little bit of Google hunting if you just mention where they are. And also, why are they so good? You know, let me know a little bit about why you think this is this stuff is worth mentioning. Why you think this stuff is worth paying attention to? Yeah, you know, it's good to just recommend something, but tell me a little bit about it. Tell me a little bit about who you think the audience for would be. Why would somebody enjoy this? What's actually going on in it? I've pulled up the summaries, which I will read. But if you're recommending something, I want to know why. So, to start with, one of the recommendations I've gotten is Hold My Words, Keep Us Together by Open Hearts. It's on AO3. The summary is, she's used to it by now. They all are. Living like pack animals that winter before the prison, sleeping in tangled huddles with intertwined limbs. It's been easy enough to slip back into that near wordless existence after they got her out of Grady comforting even and then things happen Uh, i've read this fic i love it i love open hearts in general and i think that's an author who i don't know if they always get exactly as much attention as they should so please read that please read their other fics fantastic author fantastic work i really enjoy probably i will at one point again if i continue to do this pick one of those fics to read so yeah, check that one out. Uh, another one is The Only Heaven I'll Be Sent To, which is by, i make sure I'm pronouncing this, Alchemistic. It's also an AO3. The summary is, She sings for the gathering behind the walls, wears a dress, smiles along as she stands in the outskirts of little groups. But she's come to realize that whatever life she might have had before, it's not the one she wants for herself now. Uh, I haven't read this one. I skimmed it. It looks really fucking good. So definitely check that one out too. And finally, um, The Gift by Bertie Dixon. This is also on AO3. Summary is, a few months into their stay at Alexandria, Glenn finds Daryl on watch and gives him an unexpected gift. Feeling alive for the first time since Grady, he returns to the Green family farm to learn more about the woman he loved and to try to figure out how he can possibly live without her. This one is ongoing. It's multi-chapter. I have not read a whole lot of it, but I have read the first chapter. I've interacted with the author, who is absolutely fantastic met them when I was writing I'll Be Yours for a Song. We had a little bit of email correspondence. It's really good. Definitely check it out. Keep following it. You know, comment. Let the author know that you're enjoying it. Give, give authors all of the helpful motivation to continue to do something multi-chapter because it is so damn time-consuming. And to know that people are out there reading it is not necessarily all that keeps us going, but boy, it sure does help. So yeah, those are the three recs I have. Excuse me a minute. I'm thirsty. I'm going to try not drink water like really loud near the microphone, but there are some things I'm not going to bother cutting in post-production just because, again, I'm kind of out of fucks to give right now. Oh, I also have candy. You're probably going to hear me eating candy. Okay. Uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, which I love. Uh, so let me go ahead and get to the how questions. Again, I'm not necessarily going to be able to answer all of these, but a lot of these are kind of fun, so I want to kind of try and get to the ones I can. I'm not going to be saying who sent in what. People did not ask for anonymity, but I don't know. I just some of them are anonymous, and I just feel like it's the question standing on their own is probably the best. So, how. Just to give you a little bit idea of what it is, if you're not familiar with it, maybe this is actually your first exposure to it, maybe you haven't been reading it or haven't even heard of it. Hal is a werewolf AU you that I started back uh, in the beginning of September, right around the time I finished I'll Be Yours for a song. I've been planning it for a while. It was something that I wanted to jump back into after I finished I'll Be Yours for a song because I had this gaping hole in my life that I wanted to try to fill. I've been having a lot of fun with it. One of the reasons why it's been fun, and this is something that, I don't know if it was unexpected, I think I kind of expected it to some degree, but it did kind of smack me out of nowhere the degree to which it happened. The world building has gotten really complicated. I'm a science fiction and fantasy writer. I mean, I I don't make enough doing it for it to be a full-time job, but I do do it for money. I'm, I'm a professional author. So obviously world building is something I do but I somewhat ironically, this is actually some of the most in-depth, complicated world building I've ever done with anything ever, and it's fan fiction. Not disparaging fan fiction one bit, but this is one of those situations where I look at something that I've written, and I go, "Why, why can't this be something I can get paid for? Because this is like really complicated, and I think, you know, cool in a way that just mainstream science fiction and fantasy fans would respond to. Well, no, I will not file the serial numbers off. People need to not tell me to do that. Very strong feelings about that in fan fiction. I do not like monetizing fandom. I really like staying true to the origin of things. I think that transformative works are really important. So when something is transformative, when something is, you know, when it's fan fiction, even if it's fan fiction with a significant original component. I don't like filing the serial numbers off. It's just not something I'm willing to do. So this is something that, you know, is complicated. I'm borrowing heavily from other places, but it's also original and I'm never going to be able to sell it. But that's okay. It's about werewolves. Daryl is a werewolf. Beth is not. Beth saves him and uh, turns out that he's got this life debt thing culturally, so he sort of belongs to her. So he's kind of he's kind of her werewolf slave. I mean, it's not like that exactly, but no, it's actually kind of like that. It's ridiculous. It's now into, it's over 100,000 words. It's one of those things where I'm like, this isn't going to be that long. It's maybe going to be like 90,000 words. It's going to be novel. length. like, no, I don't even think I'm a quarter of the way into this fucking thing. I don't know where it's going to end. I need to just stop trying to estimate the length of my own stuff because I'm always way under. I thought I'll be yours for a song was maybe going to be 100,000 words. And if you read it, you know what happened to that. So I have no idea where this is going to end. But things are starting to heat up. Things are starting to get kind of weird. Uh, It looks like there's a mystery involving an extinct race of witches. There is some stuff about the potential end of the world, because, of course, you got to get the end of the world stuff going on in this kind of thing. So yeah, check it out. I'm continuing to write it. I'm updating a couple times a week right now. Sometimes I'm updating faster, sometimes slower. There's a lot going on in my life right now. I'm not updating as quick as I would like. But I pretty much promise I'm not going to stop writing it. I like to finish things. And I do have an ending in mind. So I do at least know kind of where I'm going. So that is the end of my rambling about what it is. Oh, and you can also find it on AO3 and fanfic.net. I am cross-posting. Even though I hate fanfic.net with the fire of a thousand suns. Don't get me into why that's the case. It's a whole fandom history thing that, you know what, I actually might talk about on another podcast. So, questions. The first one is super simple, and it is, is Beth human? Yes, Beth is fully human. There are some things going on with her that uh, I think, you know, you could interpret them in such a way that, you know, she might be part werewolf or, you know, part something else. Because there are a lot of other mythical creatures and supernatural creatures in in this universe. No, she's fully human. That doesn't mean that she's only fully human, but she is fully human. Uh, she's not a werewolf. She's not a vampire. She's she's nothing else. She's she's a human being. Uh, somebody else asked the end of the, at the end of the last chapter where there was you know a bunch of sex. There was some indication that Beth was talking in the Reord, which is the uh, werewolf language, uh, that she was actually saying some things in that language at the end of the last chapter. Um, and someone wanted to know if she actually was and here's something that you should know about me and my writing if you are not super familiar with it and you haven't picked it up yet. Uh, I get vague for fun. Uh, I get really, really ambiguous sometimes because I enjoy doing it. And, you know, somebody asks me, you know, okay, did this happen? Did this happen? What was actually going on? And my answer is yes, which is to say, you know, yeah, uh, it was real. It wasn't real. It was both things at once. Uh, It's up to you. Uh, if you want to sort of get, like, okay, huge digression, but it actually, I, I promise it is going somewhere. Um, my husband and I watched Jurassic World, finally. I don't see movies in theaters, so I generally see them months after they're out. We finally watched Jurassic World last night, and at one point my husband turned to me and he was like, this is the movie movie ever. And what he essentially meant by that was that all of the things that we think of when we think of movie and not like film, not like artistic film, but big, stupid action movie that is pretty much aware of the fact that it's a big, stupid action movie, which Jurassic World was. And it's one of the things I loved about it. It, it was like it embraced its moviness. All of the movie tropes that it was just like, I love you, come here, and let's just, let's just make movie babies together, and it will be wonderful and beautiful. And that was essentially what happened. It was so self-aware. It just dove into the sea of its own moviness. It was the moviest movie ever. So if you want to see the sunniest fic ever, the fic that really is just everything that I am, that I do all in one package, relatively compact package, it's not I'll Be Yours for a Song. I'll Be Yours First Song is kind of the fic for me and that it's the story that is the most personal and the really closest to my heart, and that is really a snapshot of a part of a year in my life that was and continues to be very important and very difficult. So that's the most personal story that I've written, but it's actually not the sunniest story that I've ever written. The, the sunniest fic, the one that is the precedent for everything else that I have ever done and will ever do, is Safe Up Here With You which is dark as fuck but if you can get through the darkness and the fact that it's really disturbing in parts it is everything i do is in there everything one of the things that's really big in that fic is vagueness is the fact that there's a lot of stuff that goes on that i am not clear about and that i refuse to be clear about and that in fact i'm not sure about people are there are a couple of really hallucinatory parts where people are like okay did you know did that actually happen did did they actually Do that? Was there actually like blood all over the place? Or, you know, when he found this thing in his hand the next morning, did that mean that they actually did that thing that was really awful and horrifying, but also kind of hot? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe. Or, you know, maybe to some degree it happened. I have no idea. So here we are circling back around to the original fucking question Was Beth actually speaking in that language? I don't know. Beth and Daryl are at a point in their relationship where there are a lot of lines that are blurring and their connection is deepening and becoming more complicated. And there are two primary connections that can be, and I I don't want to be all spoilery, but I think at some point right now, I think it's pretty obvious that this is going on. Both connections are happening and they're happening at once. And they've never happened in this universe before. This has never occurred. So nobody's entirely sure what the fuck the result is going to be. Daryl isn't sure what the fuck the result is going to be. And he's freaking out. And it's one of the reasons why they don't just like, he's not just like, I love you, Beth. And she's like, I love you too. And then everything's one. I mean, I wouldn't fucking do that anyway. The story would be over. Uh, Everything has to be more complicated than it, than it is. Plus we're talking about Daryl, who is like the world's most difficult human being emotionally. All the feelings, no clue how to handle any of them but the the combination of these two very deep bonds that are both cultural and to, to a significant degree biological Hathsta, the the werewolves are they're not human and they're governed by instinct and they're governed by biology in a way that human beings are not so these bonds are they exist very deeply very profoundly on a number of levels and when they become when they really come into play and when they really come to their full they don't leave the people who are engaged in them a whole lot of choice about some things. You know, things just happen, and you just kind of have to live with what they are. Excuse me, water break. So, a uh, lot of blurred lines. The, the two bonds are skilled, which is the life debt that Daryl owes Beth, but also Hayala which is the mating bond that occurs between uh, a werewolf and a human. Always a human, werewolves cannot mate with other werewolves. Uh, it's forbidden, and also the biological results of it are pretty horrifying. And because Skild and Heala have never existed together, Daryl isn't sure what is what here, and what bond is what, and where the lines between them are, and in fact there kind of aren't any lines anymore. And the connection between a Skildig and an egend. the egend is the person who is the dominant one in that relationship who owns the life debt is profound. It's very deep. It's emotional. It is psychological. It's, it's empathetic. It's not psychic. It's not that deep, but it's just about the deepest bond you can have without it actually going over into a psychic bond. Heyala is even deeper. I don't think it's really a psychic bond either, but it is, it is when the mating actually occurs, it's referred to as the union of souls. So it's something that's way beyond the physical, and it's two people on on such the same wavelength that, yeah, you know, some things can happen that wouldn't normally be able to happen. So Beth doesn't know the Reord. She's human. She wasn't raised in Akina. She wasn't raised in, you know, werewolf culture. She wasn't raised in a pack. There, she would have no way of knowing that language, and she doesn't understand it. Nevertheless, it does appear at the end of the chapter that she's speaking it. She remembers later that she was speaking it. She remembers that those words were in her own voice. I don't know if she actually was or not. Maybe she was just remembering that. But if she was, in fact, speaking Réord, then that indicates some interesting things about what actually is going on here, and the speed at which these bonds are deepening and intertwining and complicating each other and progressing, and uh, where things might be going and how quickly we might get there. I actually don't know. The pacing is something I'm working out as I'm going. Clearly it's going in a particular direction, but I'm not totally sure when it's going to get there or what the... Well, actually, no. I have figured out why it's going to happen, and I've figured out what's motivating it, and kind of a little bit of when it's going to kick off. But I don't know exactly how long we'll take together. So it's a very roundabout way of saying maybe. (laughs) See? This is an indication of how this podcast is going to fucking work. All right, so moving on. Um... Oh, this is a fun question. I really enjoy this question. And in fact, I kind of already did sort of danced around it a little bit in the last chapter because the sexy times that happened were with where uh, Daryl and Half-Shift, which is actually the Hofsta's uh, the most, the Hofsta's true form, most intimate form, which is, you know, the midpoint between wolf and human. It's called the um, Fjärd. And when a Hafta shifts into Fjerd, when they're doing stuff with somebody else that's like that's a huge that's a huge sign that something incredibly intimate is going on so yeah, so she um had sexy times with uh, a wolf man, which is a lot of fun to write, but I was also a little vague about some details, partly because uh it 's fun and it 's what I do, and partly because I wanted to be vague about some details so uh, the question is. Does Werewolf Daryl have a human dick or wolf dick or something in between? Um, Yeah, I've kind of settled on that. Uh, I decided... I don't know how many of you know that nodding is a thing in in some parts of the fandom. Uh, I I get why people like it. It's not really my thing. I don't want to go in that direction for a number of reasons, some of which have to do with personal comfort, some of which have to do with God... You know. Somebody in my professional circle is going to find these things, especially given that I'm going to be blogging about them shortly. And you know, there's just some stuff that I don't want to have out there. And there's also, I don't really want to have like another, I don't want to have another uh, name that I'm writing under. I want to be doing everything under this name. It's very important that I own everything that I'm producing. So there are some places in this fic that I'm not going to go. I don't want to. I don't think it's a good idea. And this is a line that I'm kind of drawing. So, werewolf Daryl has a fully human dick. Nothing in between. It's just a fully human dick. It's just really big. (laughs) So, which is going to figure in later in some sort of plot ways. I'm going to like 50 kinds of hell. So there, you have that image now. And obviously it's not the last time that we're going to be having that be featured in this story. Moving on! I told you this was not going to be safe for work in any way. Question that is a little bit complicated and interesting. And and also, this is something I haven't entirely figured out. The mating bond, Heyala, the uh, bond that has to form with their mate. Carol is part of the story. Uh, and obviously, Carol's history with her husband is fraught and difficult and uncomfortable. And has to be a thing. I didn't want to bring her in and just not have that history present. Not least because I think that... Having that history present and having a chance to explore it in the future is going to be important regarding explaining some things about why the world currently looks the way it does, and in particular, why the Hathsta are not breeding the way they should be, because that's one of the things that's going on with them. They're not breeding at replacement level, so they're slowly going extinct. And in fact, they're going extinct at much quicker rates than they were. For all that the Kina, which is, you know, this group of characters from the show knows... They're actually the only ones left because they haven't had contact with any other in any other cities for a long time now. They haven't been able to find anybody like, yeah, they've got email. Yeah, they got social media. Yeah, they have phone numbers. You know, they've sent people to other cities to just kind of see if they can dig people up. No, they can't find anybody. So what the fuck happened there? So it's very important for me to kind of explore why that's going on, uh, what's going on with mating bonds, what's going on with relationships between Hafsta and the humans who come to mean a lot to them. So what's going on with Carol and Ed? And Carol still has Sophia at this point. Sophia is human. Hafsta can have Hafsta children or human children with their mates. Uh, It's kind of a crapshoot, which it's going to be. It's much more common to have human children. So Sophia is human. It's going to figure in in an important way Ed was indeed her mate Ed is indeed Ed on the show yeah, he's an abusive asshole and he's obviously somebody to get away from as quickly as possible the exact details of how that happened and why it happened and and what it means are something that I haven't completely worked out, to be honest but they will be important and they will be explored and one of the other reasons why they'll be explored is there is the question of What's going on with Will Dixon? Daryl was raised outside of a pack. Where's Merle? How did Daryl actually get hooked up with Rick's pack? You know what what actually ended up happening with that happening with that, and the implication there is that one of Daryl's parents was Hawthorne. One of his parents was a werewolf. Which one? What happened between them? Why would a Hawthorne? Why would a werewolf? You know, which is like. In, in half ship. They're like fucking seven, eight feet tall and can kill They can just break you in half. Like they're that big and that strong. Why would one put up with an abusive relationship? Why wouldn't they just kill their mate? Like, you know, Hala aside, it's a really powerful bond. Why wouldn't they just, if nothing else, why wouldn't they just leave? There are reasons why that are really important and kind of disturbing. So yes, it was an abusive relationship. The, an abusive relationship between a human and a, a Hathsa is possible. And difficulty in escaping that relationship is also possible. I will be exploring why that's the case. Don't know exactly when. It will become important. And not least, I think it'll be important when Daryl finally starts to explain to Beth his own background, where he comes from, and why he is the most difficult human being in the entire universe emotionally. So, cookie break. Not cookie. Why the fuck did I think I was eating a cookie? I'm eating Reese's peanut butter cup. Anyway, continuing. Beth can actually see the supernatural world that the haths to exist within. It's not really a parallel universe. It's kind of... It's stuff that we as human beings just don't see. For reference, you can sort of think to things like Neil Gaiman's American Gods or Neverwhere. American Gods and Neverwhere are actually huge influences in this. I'm, I'm drawing heavily on Neil Gaiman for this story. I'm guessing if you know Neil Gaiman, you've picked that up. So, Beth can see this world. She couldn't always, but since her family was killed by monsters known as the Ytend, she's been able to see at least parts of this world, and she's come, she's going deeper into it, and she's seeing more and more of it. So, she sees the Ytend the night that the Ytend kill her family, and she has a really difficult year, during which she actually ends up in... Um, psychiatric wards a couple of times. Uh, she attempts suicide. I'll talk about that too later in the story. A lot of complicated things happen with her, but she doesn't see this world anymore. The first time that she actually sees the world, after the you know the world of the Hatsta after she loses her family, is the night that she meets Daryl, when she finally runs into a group of Uten, which she's been looking for for a long time, because she wants, A, she wants revenge, and B, she wants to understand what happened to her. And one of the only ways she sees that that's possible is to actually find these creatures. So when she meets Daryl, that's the first time that she actually sees these creatures again. And that sort of kicks things off. And and that's when she starts to pretty much constantly see this other world and exist and move within this other world and have this other world affect her. She is now part of it in a way that she wasn't before. So why did this happen? I'm not telling you. Um, It did happen. It is important why it happened. I don't completely understand all the details myself, but I do have a general sense of it. And pretty shortly, we're going to be seeing some of the reasons why it's the case. And I think actually some people are already kind of guessing why it's going in that direction and what's happening with it. But everything is kind of moving quicker now, and everything is coming together in a way that it has been setting up for the past year of Beth's life after she lost her family. And yeah, you're going to find out. And you're not going to have to wait too long, I think, to find out. But it is important. It does get complicated. And yes, it does have to do with her bond with Daryl, among other things. Okay, another question. Are you planning to explain how Skilled and Hayala are working together? Yes. I mean, I've kind of already talked about that. Absolutely going to explain it. And it's real complicated. And in fact, it's going to become clear at some point that it's potentially dangerous. That's all I'm going to say. Um, last sentence of Hal Chapter Twenty reads: He's opened up his own skied, kind of spirit world that exists right alongside ours. He's opened up his own skied inside her head. She slips into it without any resistance, and it closes behind her. Is that figurative or literal? Yeah, it's it's figurative. Uh, it doesn't actually mean anything, like literally. Basically, it just means that she's kind of drifting off into the bliss that exists after the absolutely amazing orgasm that he's just given her. Because, you know, of course, they're going to have amazing sex to begin with, even though she's a virgin. <laughs> and so is he. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it's, of course, amazing sex. And you know, it's actually probably not amazing sex. But you know how when you're still kind of new to the whole sex thing? So everything is amazing and exciting, even stuff that later on you're like, why did that arouse me? Like, why was that exciting? That was ridiculous. Why was like a nipple, like the most exciting thing in the entire universe? I have them. Why was that, you know, so powerful? Or, you know, whatever. No, it's probably not amazing sex, but it's amazing to them because, you know, it's the first thing, it's the first time, it's all sweet and cute and yay. Yay. And finally, uh, will Beth ever share with Daryl that she wants to have sex with him? Uh, I feel right now she's satisfied with how they are, but it's seeming to me like Daryl is more taken with her than she is with him. A couple other people actually sent in a question that was roughly along these lines. And this is important, um, and in fact it's important because it was also kind of the case a little bit in I'll Be Yours for a Song. There is not really an imbalance here. There is a difference in perception. Of how strong things are. And in terms of how how powerfully a a bond is felt and how powerfully attraction is felt, I mean, first of all, because werewolves are governed much more strongly by these bonds and by instinct and by the culture, because it's their culture, they're embedded in it and they have been since birth, they're going to feel it more intensely and it's going to affect them more strongly just on a very surface uh, and very literal level. And Daryl's feelings are just closer to the surface in general. Emotionally, Daryl is like this raw wound. Uh, I think that that's really in character for him. That's how I write him, and I think that that makes sense for his character. It's not that Beth doesn't feel things intensely. Beth feels things very intensely, too, but she feels things differently. And since her family died, she's also been kind of closed off emotionally, and she started feeling really numb. And, like, she's just kind of drifting through the world and nothing means anything anymore. So she's kind of getting in touch with her emotions again. She's sort of figuring out what it means to love somebody. So, yeah, she's, she's falling in love with Daryl. But she doesn't know it yet. Daryl, I think, knows at this point that he's just hopeless. He doesn't, I think, understand why he's hopeless. I think the idea of being in love with somebody is alien to him. Even though he understands the culture behind a mating bond. But he is, on the surface, he's feeling more intensely toward her than she is toward him. It's not that there's an imbalance. It's not that he's like, I love you so much, and she's like, I guess you're okay. But where these two people are in relationship to each other, and what they can admit to themselves that they want. Well, I mean, among other things, they're working with very different information. Daryl knows what happens if he mates with her. He's told her that they mate for, that to mate for life. What he hasn't told her is what that actually means. And it doesn't just mean, you know, okay, I've mated with you, now you're my mate, and I love you, and I'm going to be faithful to you, and I'm never going to mate with anybody else. When Hath's to mate with somebody, they are physically not able to mate with anybody else, ever. Including when that other person dies. That's it. That's like the one person for them. The bond is, again, it's, 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 it's cultural, it's emotional, but it's also biological and neurochemical. And it's such an intense bond, and it does work to some degree in both ways. Daryl is going to feel it more, he's going to be subject to it more. If Daryl died, Beth could be with somebody else. It wouldn't be the same, she probably would not feel the same level of of devotion to them, the same deep connection. But she could be with somebody else. Daryl will never be with anybody else for the rest of his life. And he hasn't explained to her the depth of that. First of all, because he... (laughs) He's an emotional wreck, okay? He just doesn't know how to talk about things. Somebody else asked, why can't Daryl explain things like a normal human being? Because he's not a fucking normal human being. He's not human. And, I mean, go watch the show. (laughs) This is Daryl. He can't explain anything. He can barely talk. He's this just wordy ball of overthinking inside. He's like paragraphs and paragraphs of, of oh, God, here are all the things I'm feeling and thinking, and, and what if this, and I don't know if this, feels, and what's going on with this, and... And then he says, like, two words of dialogue. That's Daryl. Like, he can't explain anything. He wants to. He's going to try. But so far, all he's told her is that we made for life. And Beth has no idea what that means. So he knows it's serious. She doesn't know it's serious. She doesn't even know what she's feeling now, either. But... It's, I don't want to give people the idea that he's pining after her and she doesn't really care about him. She does. They just don't... They're not on the same page yet. And it's going to take a while for them to get to be on the same page. I did something similar with I'll be Yours for a song. I think this might just kind of be how I write them. There are a lot of ways in which this this story is actually reminding me a little bit of i Yours for a song. And I think, again, it's that's just kind of how I write. That's how I write Daryl. That's how I write Beth. These are two different characters than that were in I'll Be Yours for Song for some obvious reasons. But in many ways, they're actually the same characters. So, yeah, there's an imbalance there in terms of understanding of yourself. There's an imbalance there in terms of knowledge. But there is not an imbalance in terms of intensity and depth. And the process by which they're going to discover these things about themselves and each other is, I mean, it's part of their developing relationship. And assuming that they end up, you know, being mates, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say at this point that that's probably going to happen. I think everybody, everybody everybody's been paying any attention to it knows that that's where it's going. The process by which they get to that point, which will be like the deepest possible connection, the deepest thing two people can ever feel for each other. That's going to be part of the story. Clearly, it's not the only thing that's going on. This is a romance, but it's not primarily a romance. But that is part of the process. And it's a process that I am really looking forward to exploring. The relationship between Daryl and Beth and I'll be yours for a song. Re- exploring that relationship did not end up being the most rewarding part of that story for me. But it did end up being incredibly rewarding. And it also ended up being more complex than I thought it would. So I think that I should be assuming that this is going to be more complex too than than I anticipate right now. But I'm looking forward to getting into it. I already kind of have. And I think the pace uh, in which I get into it will be accelerating as I continue to write the story. Uh, Okay, yeah, I think that's actually all the questions I've gotten. Oh, 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 except a question just came into my inbox uh, that I could answer, you know, like in text. But I'm going to go ahead and answer it now because I have such strong feelings about it. Somebody said, is it just me or I'm feeling something will happen with Aaron? It's a weird feeling. It's just not sitting right with me. Same with Abe i uh, sorry to bother you. Maybe I'm not the only one who feels like this. I am, I feel like this too. Um, okay, first of all, I think, I think Abraham's going to die. I think he's going to die soon. Uh, it feels to me like his arc is winding down. Personally, I'm okay with that. I think that if they're going to... First of all, I have been talking about this on my Tumblr for a while now. They need to shrink this fucking cast. They need to kill some people. Or at the very least, they need to send some people away. They need to cut things down in a serious way. If we're going to kill some people... I think Abraham's a good candidate. I like him. I would be sad to see him go, but I'm not sure what else there is to do with him and his story. He and Rosita are really drifting apart. It's not that I don't think he's interesting, but I do kind of think he's done. So I would not at all be surprised if he doesn't make it through the season. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it through 6A. I think he might be gone by the mid-season finale. And again, you know, depending on how they get him out of here, I think I'm probably fine with that. Aaron... If they harm a single precious hair on that man's head, I'm gonna set every building on fire. I mean, clearly I have my own opinion about what really happened to Beth. So my rage there is is, is somewhat diminished. but if they hurt Aaron ever, like ever, like at, at the end of at the end of this show, I want a select few characters to be there and you know be fine. And, you know, I don't know, like, form this perfect commune together and just live happily ever after, which will not fucking happen. We all know that. Aaron is going to be one of them. Protect Aaron at all costs. Nothing ever better happen to Aaron or Eric. I mean, like, both of them are precious things that must be protected and, you know, treasured and, and never harmed or, or really put in any kind of danger. Just, Just, yeah, just keep them away from everything, please. Show. Yeah. And in all seriousness, no, I don't think anything's going to happen to Aaron. Not yet. Um, I can't speak to the future. This show does have a history of... I will argue this show doesn't have a history of killing people off stupidly. I'm in the minority there, I think. But generally speaking, I think that this show actually does deaths Okay. It does them... I won't say it does them well all the time, but I think that they're batting over 500. But it doesn't feel to me like they're getting ready to do anything with Aaron, in terms of really hurting or killing him. I think he's okay. I think right now he's primarily there in order to primarily there in order to facilitate the development of other characters. We just saw that with Maggie. I'm all right with that. I mean, he's an interesting character on his own. I think that they are going to be doing more stuff with him as he develops and as they get a sense of what does the fandom think about him? How do people actually feel about him? Is there a desire for people to see more of him? I think we're going to see that. But I don't think they're going to hurt him yet. Better fucking not. I swear to God, I swear to God. You think you've seen me angry? You have not seen me angry. Like you, it's it's just going to be it's it's going to be incandescent. My rage is going to be visible from states away. So yeah, that's how I feel about Aaron, precious Aaron. Oh my God, my sweet baby. Okay, I'm done with my talking uh, for now. I'm going to go ahead and read the the fic for this podcast. Um, I'm going to be reading fic every podcast. Uh, it's sometimes going to be mine. It's sometimes going to be others. And here, just to kind of get this clear, is how that's going to be working. I feel like I should kind of make that clear from the get-go. I'm going to be picking the fic I read. This is this is one area where I'm going to be obnoxiously draconian. I'm happy to take recommendations, particularly, again, if there's something that you think is not being given enough attention and really deserves it. I'm happy to consider suggestions from anybody, but I make the ultimate decision, obviously and I'm picky. I'm picky as fuck. I'm kind of a snob. And one of the reasons why I, you know, am not infrequently, again, assuming I continue to do this, going to be reading my own stuff, is that when I'm reading aloud, it has to feel right. It's not just about quality. Things have to flow in a certain way, because when I talk and when I read, things flow in a certain way. So it's not just just about, is this fic good or bad? It's, is this fic a good match with me? Clearly what I write is a good match with me. There are a lot of other things that are being written that are a good match with me. I've read stuff by Vampire Cat. I've read stuff by Beth Green's Girl Gang, Shoozie Molly. And today I'm going to be reading a story by Ebelina called Seconds. And there's actually a sequel to this, uh, a second part of the series, which I'm probably going to read next time, assuming there is a next time. Uh, It's beautiful. It like choked me up. I'm very happy to get a chance to read it. I'm happy it exists. It's on AO3 if you want to actually go and, you know, read it. If you want to read along, just like we did when we were all kids. Or if, you know, you just prefer the text of things. Or if you just want to read it for whatever fucking reason. It's on AO3. Look it up. Um, I actually think it might be on ff.net too, but I found it on AO3. Anyway, here it is. I really hope you enjoy it. I'm going to shut up now and let the story speak for itself. Seconds by Avelina It doesn't matter much, in the end, how she came to be not dead, just that she isn't. She isn't, and she found them, and she's here. They'll want to hear the story someday, probably long before she's ready to tell it at all, to be honest. But Beth isn't going to let the fear of that hover too close tonight. No, tonight is for happiness, and she's not going to let her own problems ruin that. At least not while everyone's watching. The moment she excuses herself to settle to bed in an unfamiliar, unused room over at Rick's, since he apparently has a spare one and Beth refuses to put anyone at Maggie's out of theirs, Beth feels a shift in her mood. Nothing drastic, but the happiness. And she does feel it. How could she not, coming back to these people who mean so much to her? The happiness that's been with her all evening slips beneath a sort of thin blanket. It's become somehow subdued, though she still feels it, just... less... There are things one just doesn't bounce back from, after all, in coming back from the dead. She thinks she might sleep away that feeling, or at least sleep through it. That little bit-offness, she hopes, is just her and nothing more sinister at work. It isn't as easy to trust these days, though. And something about Alexandria seems too good to be true. A headache lingers, but that isn't new. Not anymore, at least. It isn't a particularly bad one tonight, considering the big day she's had. She'll probably sleep through that, too, if she can just get there. The bed's comfortable. A little softer than she's used to these days, but not unlike the one she spent a good 13 of her first 16 years sleeping in. She has to smile at that, how preferences change, how she would probably now fall asleep more easily on the cool, packed floor of the forest than she would in a proper bed. Beth turns over onto her side. "'ears picking up the trying-to-be-quiet sounds "'of the last of the residents of Rick's house "'settling in for the night. "'Rick himself,' she thinks, "'by the pattern of the footsteps. "'Everything falls quiet shortly thereafter. "'The night exchanges the occasional sounds "'from outside of strangers, Alexandrians, "'making their way home to bed, "'for a thick sort of silence. "'Not like the silence of the woods at night, "'or the silence of other, more closed-in spaces.' A weird, laden silence that's at once foreign, yet oddly familiar. It takes her far longer than it should to recognize the buzz of electricity, the hum of the refrigerator two rooms away. She isn't going to sleep tonight. Moving with care, putting all she knows about keeping silent to good use, Beth creeps out of the little bedroom and steps down the hall away from the stairs, away from the others in the house who she hopes are indulging in pleasant dreams about now. The front door doesn't even creak as she pulls it open, another oddly normal thing that's no longer normal at all, but the deck boards groan softly as she steps out onto them. The hears her coming, probably wood even without the whims of wood announcing her arrival. Beth knows right then that the spare bed isn't spare at all, just that the person it belongs to never uses it. Daryl doesn't speak as she pads barefoot across the deck to where he sits, at the darkened end of the porch, his back to the ceiling. Doesn't speak, but his gaze follows her from the moment she steps outside, until she slips into place beside him, squeezing into the spot between his body and the corner of the railing. She could sit anywhere, she knows that, but she also knows second chances aren't something to waste, and she isn't going to pretend. Not where Daryl's concerned. Hey he says, simply, but Beth isn't fooled. There's a lot more than just hay lying there. He was out when she arrived. Some job he has that keeps him away days at a time. He wasn't expected until tomorrow, and yet somehow he found his way back tonight. The very same day as she. Somebody must have met him, coming in, told him about her return. Rick, she thinks. It would have been Rick, and she's grateful that he thought to do so. Hi, Daryl. Darrell's trembling. She feels it rippling into her, where their legs and shoulders touch. He's trembling, and he's looking at her, and she swears he's crying. Or maybe it's her. Maybe it's both of them. Beth lays her head on his shoulder, and a hard shudder tears through Daryl's body. So violent, she thinks the decking might crumble beneath it. But she stays put rides through it with him, feels the weight of his head come to rest against hers, and then it's her turn to start shaking. And it's all there, rushing to the surface, everything she's kept hidden inside in case she never found them, in case she never found him. Darrell turns his face into her hair, and she feels his breath on her scalp, warm and shaky. Didn't believe it, he says, voice a soft murmur more vibration through her skin than actual sound. Beth turns her body, curls into him, lays her head on his chest where she hears his heart beating. Strong, steady, faster than it ought to, but she gets it. Hers is pounding, too. It's okay. You... He starts to speak, but his words die out in a strangled sound, and he presses his face to the top of her head and breathes her name. Beth. I'm here, Daryl, she says, because she needs to hear it as much as he does. I'm here. They spend a long time after that just holding each other, the sound of their breathing breaking through the unsettling quiet of the safe zone at night. Daryl's fingers pluck at the side of her shirt, or they lie still at her waist for a time before he needs to move them again. He draws circles. He squeezes. He doesn't know what to do with his hands, and it's a little detail about him that she almost forgot, and it hits her hard, a heavy fist to the sternum, a growing lump in her throat. He hears the little sound she makes, even though she tries to hide it, cradles her cheek with his other hand, thumb swiping over it, over the long-heeled scar where fresh tears gather. How? She wasn't ready to tell the others, and she doesn't know when she'll ever be. But for Darrell, the words come, slow, hesitant. Sometimes she needs to stop and breathe, or just to bury her face in the warmth of his chest a moment until she's able to speak again. But she gets them out, Every last one, and through it all he just holds on. A rock, an anchor, keeping her from drifting away through the worst of it, wiping her tears while his own drip down unchecked into her hair. He doesn't say much when she finishes, just glides his thumb so, so lightly across the scar on her forehead, presses his lips to her hair. It's not a kiss, not really, but from Darrell, it means as much as one. As much and more. Beth isn't sure how her heart became so certain about Daryl, even though they never had the chance to finish that conversation he started a lifetime ago at that funeral home. But she was sure, through those endless days at Grady, through the time after, even when she wasn't even sure of herself. And she knows it now, that it's her and Daryl. That she's back, and he's holding on to her as tightly as she's holding on to him, and neither one of them is going to let go. Still think pauses, clears his throat of the gravel gathered there. still think I'm dreaming. Gonna wake up any second and you're still... still gone? She looks up at him for the first time since she curled into his side hours ago. The light's dim, but it's enough. The ambient glow off the streetlights to see him, to lock her eyes onto his. He takes a sharp breath and his fingers curl into her side and into her hair. You feel awake to me, she says. Another soft shudder rolls through him. Beth, missed you. She doesn't mean to say it, and it's the truth. And when she does, something changes in Daryl's face. It softens, somehow, and something tugs at her lips. It's not quite a smile, but it feels like one. And he takes a shaky breath and says, Oh, girl. Oh, girl. Every fucking second. He slips his fingers from her hair to reach for something lying beside him, and when he brings it into view, it's Beth's turn to take a shaky breath. Is that yours? He says, holding her knife out to her, pressing it into her palm when she hesitates to take it. Yours. Somehow, she doesn't think he means just the knife. She holds it, feels the weight of it in her hand, and the weight of Daryl having carried it with him all this time, and everything surges up inside her again. Before she can try to stop it, she's crying, shaking, losing it there on the porch, and all she can do is curl into the solid wall of Daryl's body and silently beg him to hold on. He doesn't let go, even when she runs out of tears, when the sobs become whimpers that turn into deep, steady breaths. As he stands, he lifts her into his arms, carrying her the way he did that day when her ankle hurt and she was moving too slow. The way he did, and she's sure. She doesn't know, nobody's told her, but she's so sure. After the hallway and dawn, Beth loops her arms around his neck, rests her head on his chest, closes her eyes as he carries her to bed. She doesn't have to ask. He sets her down on the cool sheet, tosses off his boots and climbs in with her, settling in behind her like it's something they've always done. Beth melts back into his body as he curls around her, buries his face in her neck. She hasn't showered, and she knows she must stink of the dirt and sweat and filth that comes from being on the road, but he breathes deep anyway, murmurs words into her skin she long imagined but never hoped to hear, and she knows she was wrong. She will sleep tonight. She'll sleep better than she has in years. Daryl, she thinks, might just manage that, too. So that's it. That's all I got for this time. Uh, wow, this ended up being like a full hour. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if this ended up Like being longer than you wanted it to be. Like I said, I'm just starting out doing this. I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing. I'm going to be working that out as I go, kind of figuring out how things work, figuring out what I'm capable of. Yeah, I'll be sort of working with you as I continue to do this. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please let me know. Get in touch with me on my Tumblr. Get in touch with me... People email me sometimes, and they're like, I feel like I'm talking to you. No, email me. Like, my email's out there in public because I'm fine with people contacting me just about anyway. There is probably going to be more information about how you can help me continue to do this besides just sending me content coming up. Watch for news about that. The music that I use in this thing is Creative Commons, I am going to leave notes on the SoundCloud page about who provided the music. There are some amazing artists out there doing free music, and everybody I use are are people I love, and you should go check out the rest of their work. So um, be quiet. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for being here. If you listen to this all the way through, I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun for me. And yeah, hopefully I will see you in two weeks, and hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about then. Bye.